live from the mist and shrouded mountaintop fortress that is X and Y Communications Headquarters. You're listening to the world famous Mountaintop Podcast. And now, here's your host, Scott McKay. Here we are again, gentlemen, for another episode of the world famous Mountaintop Podcast. My name is Scott McKay, coming at you from sunny San Antonio, Texas. And today we're going to have a show that I've been anticipating for quite some time. A lot of you guys have been asking me to do this, but you know what? I just needed the right guest. Well, today we're going to talk about what I think is going to be a bit of a controversial, maybe incendiary topic, and that's do men have rights anymore? And with me for this show is a new friend of mine. She's a woman who is also a men's rights advocate which should be refreshing to a lot of you guys out there, especially maybe some of you Manosphere or men going their own way who might be listening to this. Get ready because it's going to melt your face to hear my new friend, Linda Gross, talk about being a men's advocate and what life is like for men out there, the state of relationships with men and women. And uh, I'm actually on the edge of my seat waiting for this. Welcome, Linda. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much, Scott, for having me on. A pleasure here. Yes. And you're actually out in Los Angeles, California, of all places, which has got to be one of the toughest places to work your craft that I can think of. Yes, I do get beat up an, an awful lot. Let's let's put it that way. Figuratively, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> no one's actually, you know, taking pot shots at you, are they? No. Okay, good. Um, she brands herself as the men's advocate. She has a podcast here on iTunes called the men's advocate show, which we'll point you to later. And I'm uh, buckling up for a pretty hardcore conversation here. Linda, let's start off by asking the obvious question. What are men coming to you with nowadays that they're most worried about in terms of, you know, where we are socially as men, what we're able to do and not able to do nowadays, some of the biggest threats men perceive themselves to be facing. Just go ahead and riff on it for a while and let's see where this conversation goes. Well, I have two men's groups that I advocate for legal groups, and one is aggrieved dads. In other words, they've been denied, unfairly denied custody of their kids. They're trying to get their kids back. Uh, You know, the woman has perhaps lied in court. She's won full custody. Maybe she accused him of, um, you know, sexual abuse or physical abuse or drugs or alcohol. And as such, unwarrantedly so, the judge and the courts have ruled in her favor. So now now the dads try to spend three years, five years, eight years in court trying to get their kids back. So that's the primary issue. Um, I have young men who are going to college with the whole date rape thing. So they're worried about, you know, am I ever going to have sex again? Because even though supposedly it was consensual sex at the time, she takes some time to think this over, maybe speak to her roommates, maybe speak to her family. And, oh, by the way, it wasn't consensual at all. Let's cry rape. And so now he's spending the next, you know, six to 24 months in the court system trying to prove something that didn't happen. So, you know, how, how do you unring that bell? It's, it's really hard. Um, and then the general population of dating men, you know, all the shenanigans that go along with it. You know, is she cheating on me? Is she um, just there for my money? Is she just there to abuse me? Um, and then the married men are worried about, you know, is she going to take me to the cleaners for everything I have? So there's a whole host of problems every which way. Now, of course, you've brought up 
<laughs> what we can discuss for probably the next several hours in that soundbite you just gave. Uh, let's take them one at a time. Yeah. First of all, the guy doesn't get to see his kids anymore. The woman tells the judge this happened. Judge takes it at face value, and then uh, he feels like he's stuck. But he still loves his children, wants to see his children. H- how often is this happening, and what typically goes on to lead to that negative outcome, and what should a man do instead? What should he know to keep himself out of that position to begin with? Unfortunately, this type of scenario happens altogether way too often. I don't know exactly what the stats are, but you know, if there is one ounce of unreasonableness to her that for some reason she wants to get back at you and the get back at you might not even have anything to do with you. It might have been something that happened from a previous marriage or a previous boyfriend. Goodness knows I had a psychologist on my show once and he's saying let's take it all the way back down to when she was eight years old and one of her parents abandoned her. So she sees the divorce as revisiting the feelings from when she was eight years old and one of the parents abandoned her. So it could be a whole host of reasons. Now, why would a woman who has abandonment issues arrange for the complete abandonment of the father in that situation when that's against the father's will, though? Yeah, because it's a feeling that she hasn't felt in decades, you know, this abandonment. Um, This doctor that I had on my show, he was saying that, you know, maybe uh, uh, there was one case that he talked about where the mom died. The dad had four kids, and goodness knows how you're going to raise four kids and still go to work. So he was overwhelmed. So he put them all up for adoption, and he was never to be seen from again. So, you know, the woman had serious abandonment issues, not only because of her mom dying, but also from the father as well that disconnected himself from her and her siblings. So, you know, she's skating along. It's unaddressed. She probably never had therapy, um, you know, all these years. And decades later, she marries the new guy. And let's say they stay married for, you know, five to eight years, whatever it is. And then, bam, the new guy wants a divorce. It takes her right back to the feelings, those unresolved feelings from age eight. So that's why a lot of these women want to get even with you, want to get back at you. It's really to punish the original person who abandoned her and not you, but tag you're it. You're the closest victim. That's why she does it. And she doesn't, she's not aware that she's doing this behavior. I mean, it would take, you know, a psychologist who is well-versed in this specific area of psychology to untangle this whole mess. Well, that's all well and good. But what if she's fully cognizant of what she's doing and it's just pure selfishness? She doesn't like you anymore. She wants you the hell out of the life of those kids. It doesn't matter what the kids think of you. She's going to do what she wants to get what she wants. The end justifies the means, et cetera, et cetera. Are courts really that blind to the needs and wants and the rights of men that judges just automatically fall out of bed and give the woman whatever she wants, regardless of how weak her argument is? It seems to be the case today, yes. And, you know, if I were a judge, you know, there's two ways you can get denied custody, abuse or drugs and alcohol. So if she claims one of those two areas, boom, he's he's looking down at his desk signing the order. If I were the judge, I would say, what's the, what's the evidence to back up your claim? I would say, where's the Child Protective Services report? Where is the psychologist report? 
Where is the police report? I would want some kind of evidence in addition to what you're telling me in court to back up what you're saying. She gets to go to court with none of those things. And he signs the order. Now, I had to dig deeper on why is this occurring. And there is a, a force in place. And there are, you know, you want to call it the globalists, the powers that be. They don't want nuclear families because a nuclear family is very strong. So they want to get away with whatever they want to get away with that's evil and supposedly, un, uh, you know, illegal and so forth. And so they want to break up the family. So in order to ensure that families are broken up, they have written uh, in the code, in, in federal codes, actually it's a part of the Social Security Code. I think it's under Title Four. if people want to Google that and look it up. The states actually get money for when families are broken up. So if the guy is out of the picture, yippee, that's, that's what the people in charge wanted all along. Every time the judge rules on breaking up the family, in other words, in favor of the woman and the dad is aggrieved and denied custody of his kids, the state gets money. The states get collectively about $500 million per year. That's half a billion dollars. Yeah. That's big money. Absolutely. So how, how are you going to run the state? How are you going to run, you know, fire and police and everything else, highways and schools and, you know, everything else? You're not. You really need that money. But what a, what a horrible way to get the money at the cost of dads. Well, how do the courts reconcile that with, quote unquote, in the best interest of the child? Because every time, well, yeah, every- it's a joke. They don't. They're, they're not ruling in the best interest of the child. The best interest of the child is to see both parents. Now, both parents might not get along. That's fine. But every child should not be denied seeing both parents. So if it means 50-50, you see this parent one 50% of the time and parent two 50% of the time, that's what's in the best interest of the child. So no, they are not ruling that way at all because the states are greedy. They need that money to survive. They, they don't want to bankrupt the state. And so it's a nice carrot that they put in front of the state. Now, you know, a lot of my dads, when they first come to me, they say, oh, it's because of corrupt lawyers or, oh, it's because of the corrupt judge. And if I just switch to a different judge, all will be well. No, that's not true. A judge is an employee of the state, just like you are an employee of your company. The judges are doing what they are told. And they are told if they sign that order, they don't need to ask for corroborating evidence. If they sign that order right now, that'll go into the fund. And at the end of the year, they'll get that half million dollars. So what's a man to do? Do we have any rights in these situations? Or is it about breaking up the family? Or is it about keeping the man away from the children? Of course, there have been many of my dads who have fought this and won. Unfortunately, it takes, you know, a long time sometimes to win cases like this. But the best advice I could give is to, you know, collect evidence on everything. Try to do everything written. Try to do it by email or by text and screenshot the text. Um, you know, just keep really, really good records on everything 
And um, if she says something or does something that's out of line, try to get you or your attorney to like look up the code on that and get what the statute is, get what the law is so you can overturn it. So when you go into court, you're prepared with the evidence to overturn whatever it is she's doing. Now, you also mentioned that men are going to college and being faced with really difficult situations relative to dating and sex. Yes. I have a lot of guys who are very fearful of this particular situation. And in the interest of time, I'm going to go ahead and uh, combine this issue with the one that you brought up as well, which is, you know, women can just cry rape. And it seems like, well, I'm a rapist and I'm going to get locked up just because she said so. Uh, you saw what happened to the Duke lacrosse team, for example. And once they were all exonerated, you know, that was a back page correction. That was one paragraph. So a lot of guys are really shaking in their boots and they're thinking, okay, well, you know, I go to college, they're putting me through these seminars telling me what I need to remember. And this is a a woman, don't touch her. (laughs) And, uh, it's just really a minefield to even date yet. It seems like everybody's having more sex than ever. And women are still horny. Women still want guys to have sex with them. It's just, how do you know? I mean, if the woman's not going to throw herself at him and say, Hey, look, let's have sex. Then we're left with, you know, checking all these boxes off. We had a recent episode with a guy who was an expert in teaching guys how to get consent from women. But you know, you're still left with what if yes, really meant no. And guys are really, really upset about this. They're scared of it. And it seems like, hey, look, you know what? We've been procreating for millions of years here. The dance is no different. What I want to know from you specifically, Linda, is what really is the exposure for men out here nowadays? Do judges really hear from every single woman, oh, I've decided he rapes me and locked the guy up? Or is that a bit of an overreaction? I mean, what's going on out there? It's not an overreaction. It is happening and the experience is significant. So what I would tell the guys is I think most uninformed guys think that if you ask her for consent and she says yes, most guys think, okay, I'm done with that because I asked. That seems not to be the case because two hours later, two days later, two weeks later, she can change her mind and still cry rape. So there are a lot of universities now that they're asking the young men for her to sign a consent form, that that may get you a little further than just a verbal ask. So in other words, hold on a second, hold on a second. You're talking about presenting a woman with a contract written before you touch her. Yep. Yep. And that holds up a little bit of water. It's not a hundred percent fail safe by any means. I think if I were a young man, 18 to 21, going to college, you know, why not date somebody that's not in your college? Go outside of college. You know, there's a cute little waitress down the street. Go do it with her. But can't she cry rape too? Not to the degree that they brainwash the college women. So they're propagandizing women and college into saying, if you think all sex is rape, that's perfectly okay. And men are the sexual aggressors. Right. Okay. Now, how does this mesh with the feminist ideal of empowerment? Because it seems to me that's weakness for convenience on the part of women. It, it is a weakness uh, of sorts. It's, it's not empowering in any way, shape, or form. Well, let me rephrase what They're I just said just to make cheap. sure I'm crystal clear, okay? Yes. If feminism is about women's empowerment, if it's about social equality with men, women have the power mentally, emotionally, cognitively that men do, they have the maturity that men do, That means that they can make and be responsible for their own decisions. 
it means they should be treated as adults, not as immature little children who can't think their own thoughts. So how does feminism reconcile that idea of feminine empowerment with this idea that, okay, look, if you change your mind and this poor guy duped you into having sex with you beyond your will and you got tricked, uh, all of a sudden it's all his fault. That sounds like a victim mentality. That doesn't sound like empowerment. And that sounds like a conveniently deployed scheme for saying, hey, look, I'm too weak to make my yes be yes. Uh, you know, I was taken advantage of here because I just didn't have the wherewithal. That disgusts me. It should be disgusting. And the thought process that you've laid out is very linear and very rational, but that's not how these young women think. They're irrational. It's exact opposite of what you're saying. They have the right tomorrow to say, oh, he raped me. Well, understand this. I'm not discussing on behalf of men. Yeah. I'm taking gender specificity out of this. I'm disgusted on behalf of the entire human race. Yeah. I mean, that is women being told that they should weaken themselves socially simply for the sake of placing some blame on a man for vengeful purposes, purely. There's no empowerment there for anybody. Agreed. Agreed. But that doesn't mean that a young man shouldn't protect himself because this is what's going on. Right. I mean, if it were my world, you know, guys have asked me, what would I do? I mean, I would love to tape record the whole thing. I would love to even videotape the whole thing. But unfortunately, that's not admissible in court. If you're going to tape record, you have to get the other person's consent. So if you can get her to say, oh, by the way, I'm going to videotape or audio tape the whole thing. Is that okay with you? Uh, lots of luck with that. She's probably not going to have sex with <laughs> Well, she thinks point. you're going to post it on a porn site if you do that. Right, right. <laughs> so. Well, that just decreases the trust even more. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's not a viable option. Now, see, right. here's the thing. All right. It seems to me that if you're going to weaken women for the purpose of getting at men, then that's just validating to men that, you know, women are nothing but trouble. I'm not going to get anything out of this relationship. So I might as well just avoid women. So you have guys who are coming to me, seeing these things happen, saying, you know what, Scott, I just don't think women want sex at all. They're not horny. They're not interested. They just want to stick it to us because they say all sex is rape. Now, again, they're hearing that from a small minority of women who are angry at men. But this is going to affect the entire population of women and men together, whether we collectively like it or not, only to appease an extremist wing of women who really just want to take it and stick it to men. Now, here's where the rubber meets the road on this. Ultimately, there are going to be a lot of people who aren't going to get what they really wanted because of this state of affairs. You have women who are saying, all right, look, all sex is rape. All men are rapists. Any man who touches me, I have the right to cry rape on, and I hold all the legal power here, and men should just be shaking in their shoes. Then why should they be surprised when men go, hey, you know what? I don't want to marry you, and I don't want to have babies anymore. I'm not going <laughs> to worry about women. I'm going to go my own way. Meanwhile, women are going, but I want to have sex. I'm horny, and I desperately want to get married and make babies, and all the men are just saying, talk to the hand. After what I've been through, after what some of my friends have seen, what I've been reading in the newspapers and online, I just don't want anything to do with this because you are going to ruin my life. Meanwhile, there's a cadre of perfectly good women out there who I would say are the majority 
who are left holding the bag at the expense of this toxic mentality. Meanwhile, men are being told they're the ones who are toxic, that masculinity in general is toxic. So, you know, you just can't blame men for saying, I don't want any part of this. But here's the point I want to make right now, and I want to hear what you have to say about this, Linda. Because heretofore, this whole podcast has been pretty dark, okay? And I want to hear some optimism. Most women aren't the ones we should be afraid of. I mean, people are having sex all the time, and people aren't crying rape. It's happening a lot. For every Derek Rose case, there are NBA players having sex with a bevy of beauties 50 times a day, and no one's getting rape charges filed against them. What are the warning signs that this woman is trouble? I mean, isn't there a way of looking at this? Isn't there a way of framing this where we say, all right, look, some of the red flags I would expect from a woman who may take me to task later aren't really here. So maybe, you know, this is what usually happens normally between red-blooded human beings. It normally does. But, you know, the media has, you know, misconstrued this so far that it's really <laughs> we're almost at the point of no return. You know, like you, you're saying, the men are checking out. Welcome to the world of porn and video games because they want to have nothing to do with these women. Uh, for men, for young men who ask me this question, how do I deal with the current sentiment of the day? I would say if tag you're it, meaning the guy is it that you are her whole life, or that she is a gold digger, I would say run like heck. Um, instead, if I were a young man, I would look for a guy, look for a girl that has it going on. She is career minded. She has a goal in mind. She's going to do X, Y, Z to get to this end goal, because those types of women are a little bit more level headed. Now, there was so a little bit of a Freudian slip there where you said I would look for a guy. The perhaps coincidental or maybe... And that, even, oh, I, by the way, that's happening in gigantic numbers. Well, that's my in point. Fact, I, I want to do a show on that coming up. Um, there is a gigantic population. It's, it's on the down low right now of quote-unquote heterosexual men who seek having sex with men. Yeah, they've gone they gay because of... And that. they don't see it as in any way, shape, or form as being gay. They're, they're like, you know... It's a tool, it's a, it's a body part, it's this, it's that. I'm getting sex at the end of the deal, and they're not deeming themselves gay in any way, shape, or form. Now, here's another very interesting point there. Given the state of affairs between heterosexual men and heterosexual women, and again, we're talking about the people who are loud and demand the microphone to complain publicly. I recently read a very interesting piece on how the spokesmen for masculinity nowadays yeah. are often gay men, which is perhaps ironic because the gay men are allowed to sit at that table and talk about heterosexual relationships between men and women in a bit more of an open and, well, you know, it's almost like what we've seen with some other movements where, you know, if you're seen as any way, shape or form representative of the oppressing race or the oppressing gender, then shut up. You have no opinion here at all. So whereas Feminism would say any heterosexual male does not have an opinion. All of a sudden, they're confronted with, wait a minute, there's a loophole here. What if the guy's gay? So you have guys who are masculinity experts and men's rights advocates who are homosexual. And they're actually getting a freer reign than a lot of the guys who are heterosexual. 
I, I think that is happening. Absolutely. Those men have a better voice, have a better chance of expressing what their concerns are than the guy who's labeled a heterosexual male. Now, to get back to our main point, how do I know whether I need to come to every date with a written contract, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? <laughs> I think we better cover that one a little bit more fully than just throwing it on the table and seeing what happens. Here, yeah. Here's what I think. I think you look for the red flags. I think you look for the antagonism towards men. I think you Google every woman you go out with and see if she's got a history. I think you find out what her past relationships are like. I think you, yes, find out if she's been sexually assaulted, if she has any deep-seated anger towards men. And you know what, guys? This will happen. You'll see the red flags. Now, whether she's really nice and she's got nice tatas and you think she's really hot and you can't wait to see her naked, therefore you're choosing to overlook some of these red flags... That's on you, all right? But I'll give you a couple guidelines. First of all, if she likes men, if she comes from a good family, if she respects her father, if she is not sexually broken such that she would have a, an adversarial view of sexuality to begin with, that's a wonderful indicator. Second of all, are you focusing on having sex with her or are you treating her as a holistically wonderful female human being and enjoying that connection and getting to know her? And is she showing every indication that she's sane, not messed up in the head and living in another world? All of that matters. And here's the golden nugget I'm going to drop. All right. Make her practically beg you for the sex once it's time for the sex to happen. Turn her on. Be masculine in the way women define it, as we talk about all the time on this show and indeed in my programs. Do the flirtation. Have her respond to that. Do the dance and do it in order. Don't just like, hey, let's have a one night stand and rip each other's clothes off and let it happen. Go ahead and do due diligence on this. Then what happens is that she gets more turned on by your masculinity. Because remember, masculinity and femininity, building blocks of sexual attraction. And by the way, I don't care who says masculinity is obsolete. You know what? Look for that in the woman too. If she starts yeah. using third wave feminist phrases like toxic masculinity and things that are just meant to propagandize people, well then you know, hey look, there's a distinct probability here that she falls in line with the kind of woman who would cry rape later. Now listen, if I sound like I'm drawing conclusions or if I'm being politically incorrect or whatever, all I'm doing is taking the pattern that's proposed by people who say and believe these things and propagate these thoughts and rehashing them for the sake of order on this show. Guys, this is simply what you're looking for. You know, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, guess what? Okay, don't have sex with the duck because you right. may have to duck later. <laughs> right? <laughs> you're asking men to use their upper brain? Oh, my. <laughs> but importantly, importantly, okay, if this woman is horny and she's turned on by you and she feels safe and comfortable with you, which I talk about all the time as two pillars of the big four. Look, you almost can't go wrong. If she's pawing you up and tugging at your clothes and this, that, and the other, then you can let it happen, right? Because I don't think she's going to cry rape on you. Listen, all of us, because of this minority of women who are so loud nowadays have thought about this. I mean, for gosh sakes, in many cases, men's wives can accuse them of rape. <laughs> right. It's nuts. Right. You know, I agree. I agree with most of what you're saying, with the exception of let her beg you for sex, because coming from that approach, there's no guarantee tomorrow she's going to all of a sudden not cry rape. 
So I wouldn't say that's a good yardstick to use. I would say go for the woman that has a goal. She's got um, a career or a passion or a hobby or something that she's good at or has a strong interest in aside from you, that you are not her whole world. Um, maybe she's going for her nursing degree and she's not going to let anything stand in her way, let alone a lawsuit to prevent her from graduating that nursing school. Or maybe in her spare time, she's sewing uh, PJs in her garage because she's starting an online company to sell, you know, PJs by Mary or whatever it is. Get somebody that is goal-oriented and get somebody that has a little bit of masculine energy that she is able to think a little bit more logically and linearly and a little bit less, you know, on the emo side. Oh, boy. All right. So we open up a can of worms there. I agree wholeheartedly. I think that's an incredible observation you just made that if she has something to lose by getting embroiled in the lawsuit herself and having it be on the front page. I mean, if she's likely to want to avoid any public scrutiny of her sex life, I think that's a brilliant point. Okay. Yeah. I don't know whether guys are going to be so in tune with looking for women who are living in their masculine a little bit, because I think that toys with the whole masculine feminine polarity factor that makes women so sexy to us. But if I understand what you're saying, I think you're basically bringing that all back to the idea of being goal oriented and, and having that part of her life in place that may be perceived by some as being in her masculine a little at that time. Right. Okay. So I'm crystal clear on that. Now, with that said and that out of the way, let me go back and clarify something that you mentioned. I don't think making her quote unquote beg for sex is the be all end all in itself. I'm saying that's an extra layer of security for the guy. Find the woman who doesn't have the red flags, who seems very guy friendly, who has a healthy attitude towards sex, who isn't broken. And then as soon as you know that she's hot for you and she's horny and she wants this, make her wait some more. I mean, get absolute verification. Almost to the point where it's like, how long are you going to make me wait is uttered by her. Because guys, I have this principle called the most critical 30 minutes in dating that I've mentioned on this show before, which is as soon as you know she's hot for you, take that next 30 minutes. And it could be all that it takes, guys, to let that simmer, let that get even hotter. Because not only will the sex be better, but, you know, <laughs> she's going to say things like, how long are you going to make me wait? It helps her understand you're not a sexual predator. You're not in this for the sex. Also, that you understand the qualities of that human sexual dance. Then I think if you've covered your bases that much and somehow, somewhere she still cries rape, I guess you roll with it. I mean, I, to me, Linda, now you're probably immersed more in this than I am, but I've been a dating coach for 11 years. I've never once ever heard a man who had a woman's best intentions at heart and knew how to actually turn a woman on and wasn't a sexual predator, really. I've never once had a guy come to me and have the kind of problem with a woman we're talking about here where he's being falsely accused or whatever when she didn't have problems that he should have been able to see straight away. I've never heard hide nor hair of a tale of a woman who was not sexually broken and who didn't have an ax to grind against a man who had sex with a man and it was absolutely out there that we wanted to do this and the guy was accused of rape later. Help me if I'm being naive. Again, if it were me, I would not use beg for sex as, as a tool to get your point across because the number one thing that's important for a guy is sex. 
what uh, the listeners might fail to realize is the number one drive for a woman is not sex. So just the fact that you're making her beg for sex, that's not her top note. All right, well, hold her on. Top, let's not, let's not, top... Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let's not get bogged down in my semantics. All right. Okay. I'm saying both people want sex. Uh-huh. All right. It's time to be sexual. Yeah. That the idea of we're horny for each other and we're both turned on right now is on the table. Okay. Now, in terms of relationship priorities, et cetera, that's all aside right now. What I'm trying to mitigate with this conversation is the whole idea of a guy not being accused of rape because he had sex with a woman who allegedly said yes to him. I think the more factors you have going in your favor that you can just glibly outline for the judge, hey, here's what happens. I think if you have this woman who's in a right state of mind, again, she's not going to want to risk looking silly because she's coming to the table with nothing. And the guy has every counter to everything she could possibly say. Mm hmm. So let's not talk in terms of begging for sex. Let's talk in terms of making her so horny that it's obvious she wants it. And she's actually verbalizing it. Beg is a strong word. It's a marketing term. Okay. Okay. But that's what I'm talking about. I mean, to the point where this is obvious that we should do this. Okay. So for the woman who falsely accuses somebody, her top motivating drive is not sex. Her top motivating drive is power. She then has power over you to accuse you of sex. And you now have to convince the court otherwise. But do healthy women who don't have an axe to grind against a perfectly great guy who was being good to her ever do that? I agree with you. The guy should use due diligence to make sure that she's not an unstable person. Agree. Some of, some of the things that you laid out, I agree with all that. Okay, so back to my original point, since you're immersed in this more. Have you ever seen a woman who was sexually healthy, not broken, and actually didn't have an axe to grind against men, get into a situation where there was clearly consensual sex, the guy was good to her, the guy treated her right, and then the guy got in trouble and was accused of rape? Have you ever seen that happen? I'm sure it does happen. Um, I think the more the guy is discerning, of course, it's going to be better. Of course, you're, you're hopefully going to weed out some of the unstable women. So, of course, I would agree on that. He should be discerning. So basically, you don't want someone who's, uh, who's unstable because she has nothing to live for anyway. There's right. no downside to her. Uh -huh. So if she starts accusing you, it's kind of like, you know, the Taliban, if you want to crash into the building and commit suicide, <laughs> they had nothing to live for anyway. Got I, mean, it. I guess that's how they must talk themselves into doing such acts. Okay. This before young we woman is the same thing. She's, she's a terrorist. She has nothing to lose by accusing you. Okay. So we're on the same page about that. 100%. <laughs> okay. Here's what I'm getting at. See, yeah. I have guys who come to me and because of these bad apples, they're avoiding the whole bushel. Yeah. They're saying, I don't ever want to talk to a woman again because they're all out to get me or because this bad thing could happen. And the favorite narrative of men going their own way is you're going to meet this woman. She's going to trick you into marrying her. Then you have sex with her. Then you're stuck with a baby for 18 years. who's probably not even yours because she cuckolded you behind your back. Then she divorces you, takes all of your net worth. You know, you lose your job because she <laughs> tails on your employer. They fire you. Then you can't make your alimony payments. And then you go to jail and you've lost your freedom. You've lost everything because this woman was absolutely such a nightmare. 
I mean, you know, they've logically completed this whole narrative to you're literally, uh, oh, it goes worse. It's not even that you're incarcerated. It's like they love to remind you that the suicide rate amongst divorced men is the highest in the world. So it'll probably even cost you your life. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, guys, tap the brakes. This all started with making a wrong choice, you know, with with the wrong woman. And then a lot of these guys are not attracting the kind of women they want anyway, because they're leading with this lack of trust, this lack of affinity for women in general. Now, to me, the sum total of the conversation we've had for the last 10 or 12 minutes, Linda, is you got to mitigate risk in every area of your life. But you don't see people saying, well, I'm never going to drive a car again because some poor bastard in Nebraska had a head-on collision last night and died at the wheel. We're all going to get in our car. We're just going to not drive drunk, hopefully. We're not going to drive stupidly and run red lights. We're going to look both ways, and we're going to drive defensively so we stay alive. I think relationships with women are a lot like that. I, I think agree. You make crappy mistakes, and you avoid red flags from people who are clearly going to be trouble. Then you avoid all of these other problems. And it, it's the same thing for when you go to court, Okay. If you avoid the woman who's going to have that mindset when she takes you to court, then you're going to avoid these problems. You get together with someone who's healthy, who wants to be one half of a great relationship, who's optimistic and generous, but people end up with someone who's narcissistic and manipulative and sick in the head simply because she has a nice ass or because he has a nice bank account. You know, a lot of guys who are campaigning for men's rights to me, Linda, maybe you can riff off this one. This would be a good jumping off. They sound like the angry feminists, only the men's version. <laughs> Listen to these fourth wave feminists who say, you know, allegedly this is about equality, but it's not. It's men are horrible. Make their toxic masculinity go away so we don't have to deal with men anymore. You know, we could go on and on about what's happening in the educational system, et cetera. But the bottom line is men are being told by vengeful, angry women who, again, are a small part of the population. But they're the ones who get the microphone and they're the ones who get the media attention. They're being told that your masculinity is terrible, but they're given nothing to replace it with. So, you know, what are they supposed to be? More feminine? Meanwhile, what are the women doing? Out of the same mouth that's saying masculinity is no longer relevant and you should stop being masculine, what do they do? They hijack the masculine. They're the ones that are doing the very things as women that they're saying were bad for men to do. Being aggressive. All these things that are perversions of what I call virtuous masculinity, the providing and the protecting, being a hero, being the man who enables women to just blossom in their feminine gifts. That's not what this is about anymore. It's about winning a power struggle because they believe that these bad guys have been oppressing them their whole life. So now, you know what? Now that we've gotten enough of a foothold, we're going to go back and stick it to them. And then they wonder why they're 35 years old and they're not married and they're not going to have any babies because the guys just aren't going to kowtow to it because we still have intelligence. We still have a brain in our head, you see. Yeah. So what are you left with? What are you left with is, is a situation <laughs> where men want women, women want men, but because of the bad decisions that other people have made, people are saying, I just don't want any part of it. It's very hard to overcome. It really is. It's And you're right. It's a few bad apples ruin the whole barrel, don't they? So 
I don't know. I mean, I agree with you. You have to be a prudent young man. You have to be discerning. And I agree that you should use your due diligence to see what kind of woman she really is, if you can dig that far deep. And um, I don't know. The rest of it is, it's, it's a roll of the dice. Well, the answer certainly isn't to just dismiss women and say, I know you are, but what am I? That's not what a man should do. I mean, I can't just say, look, some of you women out there are out to hurt me. So guess what? I'm going to go on the defensive. That's just not a masculine thing to do. And perhaps ironically, you end up dissuading all the good women from being attracted to you because that's an inherently unattractive way for a man to be is is reactive and a follower and weak. And to to say, you know what? Poor me. I'm, I'm going to assign the victimhood role to myself and live with it. Right. And I think there are a sizable amount of men who fall in that category. I would say probably 10 to 15% of men have completely checked out. It's growing. They're not interested anymore. They have determined that the risk is too great, that they didn't work, you know, 20, 30, 40 years to build up their career and get the nice toys around the house that they wanted, only to have it all be, you know, pulled away in an instant. And as much as it gives me heartburn to say this, you know, that's euphemizing it. Mm-hmm. it. It tears my heart out. Okay? Of course. But these men, the number of these men is growing. I mean, it there is. are more and more men saying to themselves, look, I'm just not going to bother. The risks do not outweigh the rewards anymore. You look at Japan, who probably is at the head of the curl on this problem, uh, the first to really recognize it worldwide. Men just, you know... <laughs> We could probably do a whole show on this, but technology has replaced women. You know, for the women out there who are the ones who are man haters saying just stay away from us, the part that they're not understanding is guys have a pretty good alternative to having real sex with real women nowadays. I mean, there's HD, there's broadband, uh, there's a whole bevy of new things coming along on the technological front that are going virtual to virtual reality. Yeah, yeah. They're going to make, it's going to make sex with women more and more obsolete. And if men really are sex driven, which by the way, Linda, I know men are sexually motivated, but I don't think all men really only just want sex from women. So I'm going to put no, that caveat out there. I think a lot of yeah. guys are looking for a relationship, but the loneliness and the heartbreak from both men and women, because of this narrative, because of the politics associated with this, The carnage is just absolutely amazing. It sort of reminds me of what happened to the the housing market in the late 2000s. I mean, a few bad apples drove that market into oblivion because of their greed and what were we left with. We were left with a lot of homeless people and people who defaulted on their loans and the whole disintegration of the bank system because everybody had to live with it. And it was our tax money who bailed it out. I don't see who's going to end up bailing this out if men and women increasingly stop relating to each other. It's just really a sad state of affairs. It's driven by a small number of people. And what I want to talk about to close this show on a good, solid, positive note, Linda, is what the good men out there can and should do about this. Is having conversations like this and getting the message out there merely enough? Because I still don't see the solutions. What is a good man to do? What can we do to proact instead of react? Ask the discerning questions. If you can meet the family and see that she's got a solid, you know, dad figure in the household, that always helps. Okay. If there's a sane dad at the home, that always helps because, you know, a woman usually looks up to her dad and gets advice 
usually the dad, you know, teaches that young daughter um, how to be discerning with with men for that matter. Okay, good. So, so we have common ground there in the points I was making before. Yeah. Good. When you, when you have a situation when the dad is absent or the dad has abandoned or maybe the dad himself has, you know, abuse or alcohol or drugs, okay, that might be a red flag. Maybe you want to move on. Now, apart from the relationship-centric aspect of this, let's just yes. talk about me as a man. Let's talk about each one of my listeners individually. What kind of man can we be to make a stand for masculinity, for the state of men, for advocating that men can be virtuous and a positive force in a woman's life? Because, you know, they're coming after our fatherhood, too. They have been for years. If a man has no real role in a kid's life, then the judge is going to have less of an issue with his or her conscience dropping the gavel and getting rid of the guy. What can we do? What kind of men can we be? What kind of voice can we have? I think, you know, when you were talking about women uh, looking out after men who are protectors and providers, that is an inherent quality that all women seek. Despite what they say that comes out of their mouths, yes, they want that. So if you make her feel safe, and you do so by your confidence. And by confidence, I mean having confidence from your gut. It's not fake confidence. In other words, it's not cockiness and arrogance, which I call fake confidence, but it's inherent male confidence. It's very sexy. It's very alluring. You can't do the opposite of that, which is to be a nice guy. You can't be Mr. Mother May I because it's a turnoff. You have to uphold confidence, but do so in a gentlemanly manner. That's what women respond to. And this is what I will and will not do. And in the process, I will protect and provide for you. And by the word provide, it's not your grandmother's word, you know, that, you know, financially provide because today women are working. But there's 20 ways you can provide for a woman that don't have anything to do with finances. Agreed. And we've talked about that on the show before. So know what you're up against. Know the air that you want to convey is safety protect and provide and you know you'll get that done because that confidence is very sexy and very alluring. I want to make the caveat here that this is going to be a show that will probably get me some very interesting comments on iTunes, some very interesting reviews. I want to go on record to everyone who's listening and be crystal clear about what I'm angry about. All right? I'm angry that it's come to this. Because I think women are smart. I think women are wonderful. I can't imagine a world without women. I've enjoyed the company of women my whole life. The women I grew up around have all been and still are wonderful role models of what a woman should be like. Empowered, smart, strong, and feminine. I maintain the belief that femininity is actually the higher calling. Because what women do, what femininity represents is what we all live for. Me as a man and other guys like me... We so enjoy being the providers and the enablers of femininity because we get to reap the wonderful benefits of those feminine gifts, joy, comfort, fun, playfulness. I am rooting for women. I'm so frustrated by the state of affairs because I know that the women who are angry at men, and I know that the women who want to call masculinity toxic usually have been hurt by somebody. Right. And that person was a man. The problem is, it wasn't all men. 
it was a man or a few men who I'm never shy about taking behind the woodshed and whipping mm-hmm. about treating women wrong. Women have followed the lead of those men who have angered them and have come back and they're backlashing against all men, which is not fair. And you know what? That's those women. Again, look, I'm being pro-woman here. I'm putting on my pro-woman hat. Those women are allowing a couple bad apples to ruin their lives and ruin their wonderful ability to have a wonderful relationship with a guy, not be lonely, to have the kids they want, have a beautiful family. That's what's robbing them. That's what's sapping them of their own personal power. And indeed, guys, if you've decided to go your own way and decide that all women are terrible because of the ones you've been reading about, and I know you guys who are men going your own way out there are out there actively researching stuff on Google to make your point. For what reason? So you can be more miserable? Women out there who don't like men are very rarely happy about it. Every index out there that shows how happy women are shows that there's been a steady decline over the last 40 years. I don't think that's coincidental. What I'm about is standing up and saying, look, I'm going to be part of the solution, not the problem. I'm going to adore women. If women want to despise me, if women want to stick it to me, that's their issue. They're welcome to it, but I'm not going to let them ruin my life. But I remain bullish on the state of affairs between men and women as long as both men and women make good decisions about who they are with and what they do sexually with that person. And indeed, even if it does come to a court of law, guys, you have every right to keep your eyes open. A court should be built around logic and fairness. And if it's not logical and it's not fair, you need to get a different lawyer and you need to really state your case. Now, if the judge (laughs) doesn't abide by that, that's the way of the world nowadays, I suppose. But ultimately, gentlemen, it comes down to this. If you're out on a date with a woman and she starts bitching and complaining about the last guy she was with, you have every right, and I'm going to use that word because it's central to the theme of this show, to say, look, I'm not that guy. I'm a different guy. And if she can't handle that, you need to kick her to the curb and find a woman who's going to treat you better and who's more willing and ready to be part of a great relationship. And I will close before I give you the final word, Linda, by saying this. You don't owe anybody a relationship. You don't owe anybody the benefit of the doubt when you see red flags there. I once had a woman say, you know, I may be mentally ill, but I deserve love as much as anybody else. Correct a mundo, but you're not going to ruin my life. It's going to be someone else's life you affect with that. So you don't necessarily owe anyone anything in this regard. And you can be vigilant about it. You can say no. And you can refuse to be guilted into it. Because at the end of the day, in any relationship, it takes two to tango. You get the last word. Um, I agree with your comments. We all have the right to be happy. We all have the right to be with a great partner. Realize that the people who associate themselves with uh, these feministic tactics, they're only 15%. They make it sound like they're the 90% majority, but they're only 15%. So it's your job as a listening guy, go find the other 85% because they're out there. There are great girls everywhere. They really are. It's just a matter of finding the right person. And great men, too. Yeah, and great men, too. And I do think a lot of the mindsets, the groupthink mentality can be affected by geography. You know, you're out in California. California is infamous for having more women like this uh, than elsewhere. You know, if you go to Cal Berkeley, guess what, guys? You're going to be subject to the 
anti-rape culture and toxic masculinity talk, <laughs> you know, yeah. if you go to another college elsewhere, maybe not. You guys who are young and about to go to university, make sure you ask all the right questions before you enroll. Make sure before you spend 20000 a year to go to school that you're going to a school that's in your corner and, and is actually hoping you'll succeed someday. I mean, that sounds like such a silly question to ask, but I think it's valid. Guys, if you want to learn more about Linda Gross and see what she's doing to fight for your rights as a man, I've set up a special URL for you that's going to lead to her smartphone app, which is called the Men's Advocate app. She also has the Men's Advocate show, which is a podcast that you can listen to. Uh, She's got books and lots of other wonderful material that you can see and uh, learn from and be empowered by. And I set up a special URL, like I said, at www.mountaintoppodcast front slash Linda, L-I-N-D-A, just like it sounds. And uh, Linda, of course, is a word that means beautiful. And Linda, I think uh, you're beautiful on the inside and out. And I think that every guy out there should be thrilled that there's a woman out there who really has taken up the mantle to fight for both men and women who is angry about this because I think you like me want women and men to be together, do what we were born to do, which is relate and be happy and procreate and further the human race. And I want you to know that even though we've had a wonderful spirited discussion here, I, I immensely appreciate you and your work. Oh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And guys, if you haven't become acquainted with mountaintoppodcast.com yet. Go there, sign up for my free newsletter that will help you get better with women and be a better man. That's all for you at www.mountaintoppodcast.com. Until next time, this is Scott McKay from X and Y Communications. Be good out there. The Mountaintop Podcast is copyright 2016 by X and Y Communications. All rights reserved worldwide. Be sure to visit www.mountaintoppodcast.com for show notes. And while you're there, sign up for the X and Y Communications newsletter. This is Ed Roy Odom speaking for the Mountaintop Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>